0: Welcome to Beyond Medicine. My name is Rami Webby. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm a physician with a particular interest in healthcare innovation, building a better healthcare experience, and overall health and well being. In this podcast, we bring you inspiring leaders from across the medical landscape to help us build a better medicine and lead a better life. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This episode is with Dr. Ravi Gupta. MD, who's a co-founder and managing partner at Viking Capital. Dr. Gupta has over 20 years of real estate experience. He's a hospitalist, he's an investor, and he's here to help physicians make money and become financially free. Now, we don't talk about money enough on here, but I thought this would be a great episode to help doctors learn about ways that they can use their money, use their income to invest for the future, and eventually, down the road, start practicing medicine the way that they always dreamed of, which is why talking about money is so important. So that's why we had Dr. Gupta on the show. I hope you guys enjoy this one, and I hope there is something to be gained. Let's get into it. Dr. Ravi Gupta, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have you on today. What's going on, my friend?
1: Uh, Not much. It's great to be on.
0: Absolutely. So I'm excited to have you on here because real estate is a passion of mine, you know, bigger pockets, I have spent a lot of time listening to uh, the podcasts and trying to learn a little bit about real estate, you know, it's still somewhat obscure to me. But you know, recently, especially with my startup company right now, you know, real estate has been a big part of my learning curve. Um, So I'd love to get into what you do and how you've built a pretty successful real estate company. Um, and how you're helping physicians do that as well. So uh, before we get started, uh, maybe you can just give us a background on yourself and um, where you're at today.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, really happy to be on this show. It's been a long time coming and uh, um, uh, I'm happy to share my story. So uh, a bit of background about myself. I grew up in the Northern Virginia area and um, went to undergrad and medical school at University of Virginia and uh finished my uh, internal medicine training at UNC Chapel Hill, did a year of research at Duke, and then from there, I worked uh, a year in a location in North Carolina, then moved up to Northern Virginia um, to work at this large hospital system uh, that we have up here in Northern Virginia. And I worked as a uh, hospitalist inpatient adult medicine for uh, about 12 years at that hospital system. Um, it was full time probably 7 of those years then part time the remaining um and then i i left inpatient or uh, employed status rather um about uh almost it's been about 3 years now um and i just work uh prn at that hospital now um i've since then i've uh started two uh, real estate companies. Uh, one of them, personal holdings that I have, um, and the other is a multifamily syndication company. Um, and syndication is basically uh, what it means is getting other people's equity and investing that in a particular deal and then sharing profits and proceeds. Um, and I started that uh, company with a, a friend of mine. And um, currently, I am uh, happy to say that I'm living my passions. Um, I'm um, continuing working in this real estate company. Um, I am very interested in functional medicine, which is the medicine of health and well-being. And I'm opening up an online practice. It's probably going to be a, um, it's probably going to be revenue neutral at best, but, uh, you know, it's just a, a passion of mine and it's fun to do. And that's the way I continue to stay involved in medicine. And then I work as needed in the hospital system. You know, when they had a COVID surge there, I went in to help out and I, I continue to do that. So, um, that's my, that's my professional life in a nutshell. And then personally, I'm married, have two amazing kids, um, eight and six. And, uh, we have, we have a lot of fun together. And a lot of my time is spent in, uh, traveling, hanging out with friends, uh, reading, um, do a lot of charity work, philanthropic work, work on the side
0: yeah wow that's awesome man and uh you know i can see you you know you're sitting in a pretty comfortable room right now looks like you're not that stressed out looks like you're chilling (laughs) you're having a good time and uh you know one thing that's running through my head is wow like this guy has created the life that he wants you know he's it sounds like you figured out a way to practice medicine in a way that feels like it's part of your passion rather than it's a job you have to show up to and do a bunch of things you don't want to do where it's like you're kind of doing the things more you want to do on your timeline and your um, you know on your schedule and um, you know based on just from what you've told me so far I'm guessing that real estate has given you the financial flexibility to be able to do medicine on your own terms and practice it you know, as a passion for you and not necessarily to pay your bills. Am I in the right path there at all?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, there's uh, there's something called the five freedoms, which you may have heard about. And that's something that I think about very often. There's, there's financial freedom, which, you know, a lot of us or almost all of us are striving for, obviously. Then almost more importantly, there's freedom of time, right? Um, you just want the time to do the things that you want to do um there's geographic freedom to really move around anywhere that you want live anywhere that you want to um there's the freedom of health uh, and well-being and there's the freedom of giving or charity so those are the, those are the five freedoms that you you know that a lot of people talk about and and uh, i am very blessed and grateful to have many of those freedoms um and i used uh real estate sort of as a vehicle to to get to that point um, and I have a lot of, I have plans in place. I have a lot of, a lot of, uh, goals that I want to achieve. I'm very, uh, uh growth and contribution. Uh, my mindset is very directed towards growth and contribution. Um, and, and this is just a way, a uh, vehicle to open up doors, uh, for me to do that type of thing.
0: That's awesome, man. When did, when did this start for you? Like, when did you finally start dabbling in real estate and how did that all, kind of unfold for you
1: yeah so um i i started when i was actually very young uh in that my father was a real estate investor and um my you know family vacations would be going to new jersey and cleaning up a completely you know messed up home and it was like i was like damn we're going we're, we're going on vacation it would like it'd be a pain <laughs> point for me as a kid um And then we'd go to Pizza Hut for like dinner, so that was the that was the bonus. Um, But it it was it was sort of a lesson um, in the power of real estate as a kid, because I saw my father, you know, he had these complexes. But then now that he's retired, that's that's where how he's getting the majority of his income, almost all of his income, um, and he's living a decent life. And uh, when I was in residency, I was like, hey, look, this sounds like a good idea. I want to do something like this. So I ended up buying the condo in which I lived in and renting a room out to uh, like a med student. Um, and it worked uh, okay. Um, didn't make much money off it, but it was kind of a start. But my real start was when I got married and moved to D.C. and then my wife and I were looking for a condo complex to live in. And um, our agent was like, well, why would you want to live in a condo when you have condo fees and you know all this other stuff and live in this, this uh, building? And you live in one unit and rent the other two. Um, which, you know, the, the in vogue term is house hacking now. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, you, so we, we did that. We're like, okay, that's a cool idea. We, this was back in 2009, bottom of the market at the time. It was very difficult for us to get a loan. We finally got an FHA loan. Um, and we put down, it was like 30,000. So 3% for a million dollar building, which was pretty sweet. Um, lived, Mm -hmm. we renovated the whole thing, lived in one, rented the other two. It was like, we were actually getting paid to live there and we're like, okay, this is, this is cool. Let's, let's do it again. So we did it again and then we bought two more, two more of those similar buildings. Um, my wife's also a physician, she's a rheumatologist. So after we did that multiple times and we used the equity of one building to reinvest in another. So really it was like minimal to no money out of our pockets. Mm -hmm. Um, we were able to do it four times and we earned enough that we would both went part-time. So that's when, that's when I went part-time like 50% and my wife went 60% as a rheumatologist. Um, that's how we got started in mm-hmm. real estate. Um, and that, that was, our personal holdings. And then we took it to Viking Capital, which is our, uh, multifamily syndication company, which I'm partnered with. Um, uh, my good friend, Vikram Raya, uh, we're both co-founders. Um, we, Found, we founded Viking Capital in 2015, and then since then we've grown to uh, about 360 million of assets under management, and we're continuing to grow.
0: Wow! So I want to back up for a second, and we're going to get to how you guys built up to the 360 um, because that's just incredible. Um, but so when you were buying these condos, so you were buying like a you know one condo. There are se- several units within the condo. Or so
1: it's a multifamily,
0: uh, multifamily. complex. It was, yeah, it wasn't the condo. Oh, sorry. And, uh, yeah. and then you would rent that out and right. that would cover the mortgage and plus some.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's we, right. Yeah. We, okay. we bought, we bought this like a multi-unit building. Um, and it's, the condo was a, was not the best I, option at that time. Or I think in general, cause you pay that condo fee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we bought a building. So we, there was no fee that we paid or the tenants paid. And then you live in one unit and rent the other two. Got or, it. Okay. Or one or however many there they are in that building.
0: Okay. And this was in two thousand nine? Yeah. Okay, right. so housing prices were, you know, pretty low at that point, correct?
1: Yeah, respectively, yeah, to now absolutely okay. very low. How
0: how how important was that piece of the puzzle? Like in, in the profitability of all of this?
1: Yeah. Um so it it varies. I mean, you know, uh you whenever Everybody's like, I want, when is a good time to get in real estate? Prices are too high, you know, and people thought that at that time too. Hey, prices are high. Like, is this a good time? I don't think there really is a great time. I think any time's a good time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to, uh, you have to, you have to make sure that whatever you're investing in, um, will cash flow. That's the key. It just has to cash flow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And it's for you, like obviously having a background, having your dad, you know, growing up around real estate and, you know, you know, knowing, you know, I'm sure you picked up things from your dad here and there Did that have like a, cause like for a lot of people, I think that they think well, real estate's like this thing that you need just a huge ton of money to do. And like, they can't afford to buy a place and you know it's too much risk and i think when you're around it and you see how it's done it kind of alleviates some of that fear is in in any case has that been the case for you
1: yeah yeah i i I do believe that my father being involved and interested in real estate at a young age opened that up to me and i could see how he you know how how, uh how much money he put down but also probably more importantly that the interactions with the tenants and the people there because that that scares a lot of folks they're like "Like, i don't want to deal with this person living in you know my building they're going to mess it up you know this this this, that and the other um but if you see that you know some of the worst which i i experienced you know with my dad uh growing up um i was like well you know how how bad could it be you know like how much worse could they make it? And it sort of took that edge off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was really it for me was that tenant piece. Um, and just understanding that, you know, it's not, it's not such a big deal. You don't have to put your emotions into this property that you're renting. You just kind of take a step back and then even better, get a, somebody else to manage it. So you're just, you're, you're yeah. invested in the asset somebody else is managing it and you don't oh, even, you don't okay. worry about that kind of thing.
0: Mm, okay. So yeah. that's, that's something that I always wondered about. So you, do you hire a management company to kind of take care of anything? Like if there's, you know, the dishwasher breaks or something like that happens, they come in and they deal with the tenant and, you know, kind of handle everything.
1: Yes. So, um, that is the ultimate goal because you don't want to manage a property. You want to manage the asset. Right. Um, and that's how, that's how you can scale this type of business. If you are the guy that's going in and plunging toilets and you know uh, cleaning floors and doing that kind of stuff, then you are limiting yourself um, and maybe you're profitable, maybe you're making a lot of money. I mean there are people I know that are physicians that are property managers as I w- was for many years um, and you are doing those things but it's not scalable. I mean there's only mm-hmm. so much you can handle. To really make it scalable, get somebody else to do it you manage the asset and then you continue to acquire and get the property manager to do those those types of things and that's really a, that's a, something that's really key is you want to incorporate a, the budget for an asset for a property manager to manage a property and then make sure it's uh, profitable after that mm. um, that's that's very important
0: awesome. All right. Cool. And, uh, you know, like you're not the first physician that I've come across that's used real estate as kind of a way to create wealth and create the lifestyle that they've, that, you know, you ultimately want. Um, do you think that there's like a particular advantage for physicians specifically going and doing real estate investing?
1: You know, it's, it's something that interests a lot of people. Um, it's, it's interesting that to invest in something that, you can see, um, that's tangible, that you, you know, you can kick the tires, um, and you can, uh, be on site. Um, it's more interesting for a lot of folks than investing in a stock where it's sort of, you know, some nebulous, you know, a company that you aren't really completely sure ab- about. And, uh, you know, you may be making a profit, but you, you know, you're not, you know, sure why, maybe necessarily. Um, it's easy to understand, um, and it's, it's very lucrative. And those are the reasons that, that physicians are interested in it, and probably one of the bigger reasons is there's a p- tremendous tax benefit. So there's considerable amount of tax loopholes that you can take advantage of. You can there's a lot you can write off as losses, and a lot of these investments, especially these these limited partner investors that getting in or syndication deals,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're t- they're investing you know $100,000. They're uh, taking a $50,000 loss, $75,000 loss, in some cases, $100,000 loss. Uh, with that investment so they're writing off so much from the get-go mm-hmm. and a lot of physicians and high income earners they want to take that loss that it's a paper loss it's not a true right. loss mm-hmm. they want to take that paper loss so they can write off their income and not pay taxes on it so that's those are those are the big uh, reasons okay. why why uh physicians are interested can we, can in we dive into that part specifically yeah, sure.
0: real quick like yeah. like does this apply like if you were on the borderline of a certain tax bracket and you're going to get taxed at a higher percentage. Once you go over that tax bracket is, would this apply in that scenario?
1: Yeah. So it applies in in various scenarios. Uh, if Mm -hmm. you are a W two income earner, Mm -hmm. um, so a salaried physician, okay, correct. salaried Mm -hmm. physician, W two income and that's all your income and you're investing in real estate. Um, you, some of those passive losses, you can't necessarily take advantage of because you have to write it off a passive gain. Um, but if you are, if you have your own practice or you are invested in other types of, uh, investments where you're getting passive income, like mm-hmm. maybe your own real estate, small real estate portfolio or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you could take, you could write off those gains with the, with the paper losses you take in mm-hmm. these real estate investments. So that's, it's a, it's a big uh, tax loophole that way. And then also you can, you can invest in, in real estate through your, um, retirement accounts. Some people don't know that you can actually take your, your 401k transfer, transfer those funds to a self-directed 401k and invest in real estate. So you're invest, investing in this tax-deferred space. So mm, that's okay. another way.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So is there, so there isn't really much benefit. If you're just a salaried physician, then it's not, you can't use it as like for tax reasons, correct?
1: Um, correct. If you're just salaried, um, and you're investing to, uh, for the, for the tax loss, you can't use it to write off your, your W two income gain, Mm -hmm. but you can use it to write off other gains, uh, with, uh, for other investments.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so I mean, you know, I'm, you know, for someone like me, ready to get into investing and, you know, wants to, you know, I live in Boston, real estate here is crazy. Um, You know, I I come from Michigan, Metro Detroit, where in Detroit, you could buy a house for like $2,000 in some neighborhoods, Um, you know, and in the suburbs, you know, they're fairly priced, but nothing like over here, here, I'm looking at like a 2000 square foot, you know, home that to, to potentially buy and I'm looking at upwards of a million of a million dollars. Um, how do you, and I'm, and I'm talking strictly residential here. How do you invest in like these residential places or multifamily homes and in a area like this and expect to make a profit?
1: Yeah. So, so the market is, as you mentioned, insane right now. Um, there's tremendous capital that's been injected into markets. Um, the interest rates are very low and people want to invest in an in inflation resistant asset and real estate is an inflation resistant asset. Um, so there's a lot of demand to invest in real estate, um, whether it be single family homes, um, whether it be, you know, multifamily residential. Um, on top of that, these other types of investments like hospitality or commercial retail, um, they are taking a hit because of COVID uh people ha- have have suffered losses there and they want to invest in something that is more secure which is multifamily uh residential so m- many reasons for many reasons a lot of capital is being directed into real estate um and that you know it translates to higher prices um and uh when you're looking to buy whether it be a single family home or a multifamily complex we 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 do multifamily um you have to make sure it makes sense from a, uh, from a cash on cash perspective. So that's, that's something your listeners should really understand is you should cash flow because cash flow is really king, right? You should cash flow on any asset you purchase. Um, because if you're buying something, I've heard this a lot. People will buy a house. They're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm invested. I'm renting it out. I'm actually making zero money or losing money. But um, I am going to in 30 years, I'll pay it off and I'll have this asset.
2: Yeah. That's
1: a horrible investment yeah. because your yeah. your cash on cash is like zero or negative and nothing's happening. Um, mm. Whereas you if you invest in something that's cash flowing, you can make profit right then and there. You can realize profits from your invested cash and then um, maybe you can sell it sometime down the road and make more money on the back end. Right. Um, so that's so the to answer your question, the key is it has to cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it cash flows, you know, very simply, income minus expense of operating and, you know, expense, expense and in operating includes insurance, you know, um, uh, sort of uh, renovations and, um, ma- management of the property, um, that type of thing, mm-hmm. uh, taxes, make sure it includes taxes, uh, after all those things, uh, and then debt service. It has to be positive. Now, debt service is something that's really important. And that's the way people buy properties now is to get very competitive debt. Mm -hmm. Um, what we are using now in a lot of our assets. Now we're looking at, you know, anywhere from 15 million to a hundred million dollar assets right now. Um, what we use a lot is bridge debt. Um, bridge debt. There's multiple types of debt. Um, bridge debt is one of them. I can go into more detail about debt if you'd like, but yeah, please. Um, bridge debt is uh, something that's meant for sh- a short-term hold or something where something isn't maybe cash flowing right away, and you want to uh, put in uh, maybe a li- little less money up front and then refi out of that to a more permanent type loan. Um, so a lot of people are using bridge debt to like bridge to the point where they're buying and till it gets to hit their Goal numbers, and then they refi, and uh, are able to get into more stable debt that way. Mm.
0: Um, so, is this like so a really tonight, low interest?
1: It's it's debt? Uh, yeah. So interest interest rates are low across the board right mm. now, but this is low interest rate and also uh, a high loan to value. So, what that means is they're they're going to loan you a lot more money than you would with like a standard loan, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll say, hey, look. You're buying, let's just say you're buying a million, a million dollar place. A standard loan gives you 75% loan to value, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd have to, you have to come up with $250,000 out of pocket to buy this million dollar place. On top of that, say you have, you want to renovate for like, let's just say, um, another $100,000. So you'd have to say $250,000 out of pocket, then $100,000, the $350,000 you put up front to buy that house. Okay. Or that, uh, that asset. But with a bridge loan, a lot of these bridge uh, providers will say, Hey, look, we'll loan 80% of your loan and we will pay for your capital expenditures. So we'll pay you, you know, we'll, we'll loan you rather mm-hmm. that hundred thousand. So you only put $200,000 upfront. Okay. The difference is that hey, this is, this is only good for a short term. This is only good for like maybe three years. The interest rate may adjust over time, depending on the market. Um, and, um, you know, and if you don't, if you do not, uh, get out of this loan for the, in this period of time, they have the right to, to take over your property. So that's, you know, that's a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not stable debt. It's not long-term debt. It's like a short-term solution.
0: Okay. And, yeah. and what's, what's the, what's the benefit to doing that? Like, I'm-
1: so the benefit is that, um, when you look at income minus expense right your expense decreases um your cash your the cash that you put in decreases
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um you get more you get cash flow so that's yeah. that's the benefit you will you are able to cash flow on the deal and your cash on cash return goes up because you're putting 200,000 down instead of $350,000 down
2: oh, okay, gotcha down. gotcha
1: so that's why uh it makes sense and that is one of the one of the ways to buy properties in this crazy market is to br- to buy it on pro forma, meaning buy it on projected income. Because back in the day, I mean, like you know, even five, six years ago, uh, you would say hey, n- never buy a property on expected budgets. Always buy it on what's going on right now. That's like that was like the number one rule for investment, right? Mm-hmm. But things have changed now. I mean, you you cannot do that now because the prices have gone so high so you buy it you have to buy this property on projected income Mm -hmm. that which means and this is another key point uh value add is super important in this market what that means is you have to buy an asset where you can add value to it add capital expenditures add something to it which will increase the rents and when the rents increase your profit increases Mm. Because if you think about it the other way, if you buy say you take bridge debt, buy property there 's no value add it 's like stabilized, you buy like a class A complex, which is um in the best shape it 's ever going to be the rents aren 't going to go up any more than they are'll just like kind of go up with inflation or like you know two three mm-hmm. percent, whatever it may be um once that bridge expires you 're really not in a better place you 're like you 're like oh no i mean you haven 't really added any value to it. The rents are like almost the same as you bought it for. Mm-hmm. You might be in trouble. You can't get stable debt. But if you buy a value add place where you're like, look, I'm going to put in all this money to build a new bathroom in each one of these units. Mm -hmm. When I do that, I can get like $300 of rent for addition, in addition to each one of these, for each one of these units. Mm -hmm. It increases the value of the entire complex. And then when a, when a debt servicer comes in and says, okay, uh, when you're looking to refi out of this bridge loan, they're saying, well, look, you've increased the value tremendously. You can very easily qualify for this, you know, seventy-five percent loan-to-value product, and and you can still cash flow, and that that's where that's where value add comes in. So that's that's another key point for your listeners: is value add super important?
0: Okay, gotcha. And this, uh, I mean, so you're talking about a much bigger complex in this scenario, is that right?
1: It could be. I mean, you could. It could be a a house. Um, Mm -hmm. But you now, house. It's no one's probably going to give you bridge debt on a house. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's certainly value add for homes. So you could, you know, look into that. You can look for bank loans, um, maybe smaller bank loans that were, that are, uh, higher leverage loans, Mm -hmm. um, FHA loans, uh, if that works and, um, and then just, you know, kind of, uh, work on the value add component and get more rental income that way
0: gotcha so a lot of this stuff is like going over my head <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest but it's, yeah, it seems sure. like it's it seems like it's a bit more like uh for like an experienced uh uh real estate investor um like if you were gonna give someone like with very minimal investment experience in real estate what are like two or three things you would say like right off the bat in this market right now if you're in like an expensive area city area you know, a lot of younger generations are like, okay, should I rent just for the next couple of years or should I just buy a place? Should I invest in a property? Should I buy a multifamily home like you did and rent out three, you know, three separate units and have it cover my mortgage and maybe plus some like what's like, what would be a good option in this case?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, it, it can get complicated. Uh, the, uh, what I would tell a, a first time investor or a beginning investor that's really looking to get into real estate is for one, make sure that, um, you are, if you're looking to live in that, that property, make sure that you, you're going to live in there for a decent amount of time, like three to five years at a minimum, right? Don't, mm. if you're looking to buy something and flip it in another year, don't don't count on that as being yeah. your exit, right. um,
0: because that's dangerous in a way, right? You don't know you don't yeah. know if the market's going to go up or down. You could lose a ton of money. if, exactly. if the market and takes And I've lost. Yeah, I've lost money that way. I've
1: I've done. I've made that mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, hey, look, this is awesome. I'm going to flip this and make some money. Lost. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, number one, make sure that if you're going to buy a place and you want to live there, uh, then at least three to five years. Number two is look at your exit plan, right? That's super important. Um, have a good exit p- plan in place. Don't say, man, you know, this market's nuts. I'm gonna make some, this organic growth of the uh, market's gonna take my house to the next level that I'm selling, make a ton of money. It's not gonna happen uh, always. It might happen if you're lucky, but mm-hmm. don't count on that. Mm-hmm. So number two, um, make sure you have a good exit plan. And then number three, I would say buy the crappiest property in the best area you could buy in,
2: mm, right? So just right. like, yeah.
1: yeah, just you know, because that's where the value add comes in. Um, look for look for something that looks nasty, ugly, you know, like mm-hmm. you saw the you see these big signs you know on the road. We buy ugly homes. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I remember before I got into real estate, I was like, who's this? This, you know, idiot that's buying this home, man. Like, (laughs) why you want to buy an ugly home? Like, buy a nice home. But I, you know, now I realize it's a value add. That's what they're looking at, value add. Yeah. So buy something that looks bad in Mm -hmm. a nice area and then put some money into it. Mm -hmm. Then you've increased the value. Then, then you could probably sell it in three to five years at a nice profit.
0: Do um, you do you always have your own like inspector go in and check out the property just for like foundation and, you know, fundamentals just to make sure like you don't get screwed over later with some crazy expense?
1: Um, yeah. So now there's a difference between, are you talking about like a single family home?
0: Uh, yeah. Or like an investment property. Any, any, like, let's say like I find this really, so like there's a very wealthy area over here in Boston. Yeah. You know, let's say I find this. House that looks horrible needs a ton of renovations. Um, and I think, okay, let me buy this house and renovate it. And then, you know, in a couple of years, it'll be worth a lot more money. I can flip it. But let's say, you know, let's say I buy it. And then, you know, after I buy it, all of a sudden I have like, uh, you know, I have some contractors go in and they find this huge issue, and they're like, "Oh, this is going to cost one hundred fifty thousand dollars to fix this, yeah, um, or two hundred, you know, something like that." And you know, then it sets you back a huge amount.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a, a very important tip. So, any any uh, investment property or any property you're buying, get a professional investor to uh, investor, not investor. Um, inspector, inspector, <laughs> mm-hmm. get an a professional inspector to evaluate that property. I mean, that's, that's super important because you, and you want to get the best one you can, and it's okay to spend that money on that mm-hmm. because if that guy finds something that's like a foundational issue or something like that's crazy going on with it, um, and they're experienced enough to see it and know what it is, then they'll tell you what, you know, what it may be. And I know a lot of people that have gotten out of deals because of that alone.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I know people that have gotten stuck with deals. Uh, Like a buddy of mine had a foundational issue. They had to like raise his home or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. a certain amount. And it was just a, it it was just an insane amount of money to pay for that. And he, he just, you know, and if he had a good inspector, he would have found that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like my uncle did real estate, Um, he did real estate investing and flipped a lot of properties back home. So like, I had some exposure to it growing up as well. And I saw a lot of these things happen and come up. Um, So like, it kind of gave me like, just the wherewithal to think about like, like all the bad things that can happen, because I've seen a lot of that happen. Uh, But yeah, Um, I really like this piece of advice, though, like, it's just like a great sentence by the crappiest property in a good area. And it makes yeah. sense, you know, like if the environment around you, if that, if the prices in that area go up, you know, your property will likely go up as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's a key point and, uh, and that's the strategy that everybody uses, you know, for, from like buying just a home, um, if you're really, really savvy and, you know, want to make some money on it mm-hmm. versus buying, you know, a hundred million dollar apartment complex you're looking for the crappiest property you can find in the best area or even better yet, uh an area in the path of progress that you know is it's already growing. You you can see like down the road, you see like this Starbucks,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you know, like maybe a mile down the road and you see all this transforming and you know and like you 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 uh um look at the the economic development of the city and see that things are coming this way and maybe the projects already underway they just haven't started yet or mm. the plans are underway they haven't started yet buy there yeah and then that's even you make even more money there
0: yeah is there a way to look that up because like you know like how do you know where these developments are happening
1: yeah so every city has a uh has a center for economic development you just have to just google it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you and they're very happy like, I, those people will, like, especially with COVID, there, there's no, so, uh, there's social distancing. So people are in dire need to talk to somebody and make physical contact or, you know, verbal contact. They, so they will, they will talk to you. Um, you know, you offer to take them out for coffee if you feel comfortable. They'll mm-hmm. talk to you. They'll tell you what's going on. They'll show you maps. They will like, um, you know, they'll tell you what's going on with the city. And th- mm-hmm. that's a huge asset, uh, to have in, um uh you know in in your arsenal
0: yeah what about like in um what about like parks and like you know city space and things like that like if you buy a home next to a park that's you know that's a nice area like is that something that you feel is a is a is an asset to have because there's this place that i'm looking at and there's like a park right next to it but it's not hasn't been fully like renovated or cleaned up fully yet but i could totally see the potential of that happening and in my mind i'm like wow if they fix this park up this place right here could just like be worth a lot more money
1: yeah um i would you just want to be careful with those types of things so you want to look at the crime report and that's another thing you can look at Mm -hmm. very easy every city uh, every county every jurisdiction has like a list of you know all the crime that's happened Mm -hmm. um and i'll give you a great example there is like this this uh um, colleague that I know that bought an apartment complex in a an area which you'd call a D area. Like D stands for death, right? Like never mm-hmm. buy a D property in a in a D area mm-hmm. um, because you will you will lose your pants and your you know. <laughs> uh, so this is, so <laughs> this is what he did. He was like he was like oh this property looks great. There's a park right next door. The park looks beautiful. Like there's a lake and he's like he's just enamored by this park. And and then he bought the property, and he was like, okay, now the first thing I'm going to do is put a playground here. He put a playground up, and then that night, some somebody came in, ripped the whole playground out, like moved it over to that park, and like, you know, and he was like, what just happened? And he tried to build a playground again. They did the same thing. Uh-huh. And then at some point, like they ripped out – he put copper piping everywhere. This was back when copper was still used, and they ripped all the copper out, you know. And it, like literally, he just – the every investor lost every cent they invested in it the property just got you know it, it was a horrible investment uh, obviously oh. so the key is like certainly a park is awesome uh mm-hmm. if the park is safe um you just have to look at crime data look at the area it is if it's in like a b or better area you know mm-hmm. a a is a is awesome a stands for awesome that's like uh yeah. that's like where you know you probably you probably go and get your uh starbucks coffee in the morning and you know hang out that's that's like an a area
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and that's where that's a little too expensive but b you know b even c is fine um yeah. but just make sure that that park is you know uh, a decent one
0: got it cool yeah so we had so we touched on three figures can we just go over those three things again just to sure. recap so what were they again uh
1: you're talking about the class of
0: so just uh, the three the three like Kind of like tips for somebody just looking oh, to invest.
1: Y- yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um see if I can remember what I said. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have a, a great memory. I, th- I thought you knew that. So, on like one that. is
0: buy the crappiest yeah. property in a yeah. good area, which I love that one. Yeah. Um, yep. Make sure you have an inspector evaluate it. Yeah. And then, um, for, you know, what other pieces of advice would you add to that?
1: So, yeah. So, the the geographic area matters. Uh, the, the type of property, uh, and, and, the, um, the look of the property matters. Like buying crappy property in the best area matters. Mm-hmm. The path of progress matters. You want to buy, if you can find out what the path of progress is, uh, buy in that area. And then, uh, talk to the center for, uh, a representative at the center for economic development, um, to get a sense of what's going on in that, that city. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, just do your due diligence about the crime. That's around that area. Um, and then actually another thing I would, uh, just add to that is with COVID, uh, raging as it is, there's, you have to look at net migration patterns. If you go to, if you go to, uh, U-Haul, this is really interesting. Go to their website. Mm -hmm. They have data about, you know, what, where people rent trucks and where they drop them off at. And you can get a sense of where people are moving to by looking at that U-Haul data. It's free. You can just access it. Just Google it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll find that people are coming out of San Francisco. They're leaving New York. They're like just all the trucks are kind of starting there, going to cities like, um, uh, cities in Texas, you know, Austin, um, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, Phoenix, Arizona, um, Atlanta, Tampa, you know, all those Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, like people are coming down south. They want to get out of these like restricted areas, these big cities. You know, like everything's going virtual. Like they don't need to pay that much in rent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're moving out and moving to these these other places. So look at if you can live anywhere, you know, and you have a choice. Look at those areas and um, look at the U haul data and be like, hey, look, and, you know, um, you know, Phoenix. That's a pretty sweet place. There are A lot of people moving there. Let mm-hmm. me look there because it's only going to improve, right? There are yeah. only more people moving there.
0: Yeah. It's that's really, another, it, it is really interesting, interesting how all happening, like people moving out of the city, the suburbs are getting filled up because people are like, okay, yeah, I've got to spend all this time at home. I might as well get a nice home to actually spend my time in. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Yeah.
1: And that's happening. I mean, and plus they're like, Hey, I'm going to go out to, you know, like uh, a bar tonight. I want to go out, you know, to a club maybe even, um, and I don't want to be stuck in a city where nothing's happening. Um, it's just natural, right? Um, and this says nothing about public health measures. I, you know, like, I mean, probably, I guess most of your listeners are doctors, as am I. i totally for all those, you know, social distancing, masks and all that stuff. But some cities, that's like super restrictive. Some cities, they've opened the doors. Um, mm. Like we invest a lot in Atlanta. They've opened the doors. They're just like, you know, come in, come on in. And, you know, you can you could you could you have to wear a mask but you could still hang out at this bar you know yeah. and people are going there um and the net migration is through the roof in Atlanta and values really? are yeah properties values are going like up like crazy mm-hmm. uh cuz everybody's like i'm tired of living in um you know new york where nothing happens anymore yeah. or something you know I'm not, you- those cities will come back but it's just that's what's happening now
0: yeah. What do you think, like, let's say, you know, mid-July pandemic is over what happens then? What do you think happens then?
1: Well, some of, you know, um, so this, the ma- the main cities that we hear about people leaving, I feel like that's going to come, people are going to come back, but it's not going to be the same, to the same extent where it was before, most likely, mm-hmm. um, because people are discovering that a virtual environment is maybe just as good and maybe even better in some ways than being in person. So they may not, it may not come back to where it was, but it, you know, it will come back. I, I, you have to, you can't bet against these big cities cause they're, you know, they're, they're going to, they will come back at some point. Mm-hmm. The question is when, um, so I see some of that reversing, some of that trend reversing. Um, there are, there are certain economic drivers in place in cities that have, and things have sort of, uh, exponentially increased or it, it sort of, it it went down that path a lot quicker than uh, it would have otherwise without COVID like Atlanta, for example, they, they had this infrastructure, the plan in place for this kind of growth. It just happened a lot quicker because of COVID
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, things like that have happened. So it may maintain um, where it is, but um, some of this is going to come back. So that's, you know, that's the other point. Like if you're like, if you're getting, getting a great deal in a city where, there's a negative net migration. That's a, you, you might be like, hey, look, this is a good deal, but in five years, I think things are going to be better and I'm going to wait it out. You know, that's something to consider.
0: Right, yeah. And that's what I was thinking, Like, just in terms of the city, seeing everybody leave, knowing that, yeah, it's probably going to come back and if you can get a good price on a property in the city, then you might be able to get, turn a profit on that maybe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's something to think about.
0: What do you think, um, so, what do you think, like, so a lot of doctors listen to this and they're like, all right, well, I have $100,000 sitting in the bank right now, not doing anything with it. Um, I'm afraid the stock market's going to crash. Let's give real estate, let's give real estate a try. Um, how much money do they need in the bank, actually, to, you know, I guess you need what, what the, you know, the down payment would be for... Uh, buying something, but is what would you say to someone in that kind of like, you know, teeter tot of like where they should put their money? And what would you say to convince them to try real estate or maybe invest that uh, money with Viking Capital where you guys would then invest their money?
1: Right. Um, so it really depends on uh, their threshold for getting into real estate on their own. Um, the market's so tight now. Uh, there's such there's such uh, low inventory that it's really difficult. Um, a lot of people I know that have the idea of getting into it as newbies are having a lot of difficulty. Um, and if that's the case and if you really don't have the stomach to, to do that, I would strongly consider investing that money in a sponsor like us, like Viking capital or, you know, whoever you trust, um, with that because, uh, What's happening is we are doing the legwork to find these assets. Um, we're, we're putting a lot of time, effort, um, doing all the, you know, looking at different, um, economies, uh, looking at different markets, looking at the path of progress, looking at, you know, analyzing the debt. We're doing all that work from the experience that we have and our, our entire team has. And we're finding the best asset that we can find. And as a limited partner investor, which is like your when your listeners, they invest in it, they get a lot of that benefit anyway. And the returns that we've been able to give people so far are twenty percent, twenty percent to forty percent annualized returns wow. um, uh, with yeah with their with their money. So this is what I would I mean, say. That's
0: really that's really good. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's so, it's been pretty good so far. Um, I, what I would say is, you know, I, I mean, I, I would say invest in, you know, the stock market, you know, however you're doing as S&P 500 index fund, you know, historically 10% per year is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, diversify what you feel comfortable with. If you have the money to diversify, you know, um, certainly consider real estate and, uh, I would consider investing in, uh, like something like what we do, where you have a sponsor that you trust, and trusting a sponsor is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to make sure that person has the experience to know what they're talking about uh, and execute on that um, and uh, invest that 100000 in with a company like that.
0: Yeah, Great. Um, So we talked a little bit about you know how this has freed you up as a doctor, and you still practice medicine. You're doing some functional medicine, and you're doing some things with uh, you know PRN work as well. And uh, you know, like when you were first telling me about this, I was like, "That's really cool because that's what I want to do." You know, I I don't want to practice medicine to make money. You know, I want to do it to help people, and because it's a passion of mine. You know, more on the functional health side of things and wellness side of things um, but i don't want it i don't want it to be my main source of creating wealth for myself and i think uh, i think for that reason that would help me practice medicine better because it, i don't have to see 30 patients in a day then or i don't have to take a job with comp with a you know by an employer who i don't believe in the work they're making me do or having me do and i don't have to waste my time you know filling out prior alts and all of that And I think that helps you practice better medicine when you remove those barriers and you can just do what you genuinely enjoy doing for the gratification that it brings. And part of my mission is helping doctors, you know, get to that point. And I'm getting to that point right now for myself. Um, So how do you how do you feel like that transition in your life has really made a change. And what would you say to doctors who are also maybe feel like, you know, right now they do have to pay off all their student loans and they have, you know, a family to take care of and they can't just transition their life because they need, they need the money.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, absolutely. You know, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, as, as working as a hospitalist, I got paid, uh, and, you know, I paid a good salary and, and lived a good life, um, but I part of me just you know felt like, hey, look, I'm I'm making money in this way where uh, you know you know off people being sick, um, and I felt like um, I was sort of putting band aids on people and sending them out and they'd come right back. Um, and fee
0: for service, that's yes. exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I just you know it just didn't sit well with me for that reason. And then also, I, it kind of hit a glass ceiling. I'm like, look, I could, you know, I've, I've, over, I've gone up in this hierarchy as high as I can go, and I, you know, I, 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 I wanted to do something else. Um, so now the way I practice, and you're completely right. I mean, I'll, I'll go in the hospital when they need me, especially with uh, the COVID cases going up. I went in and helped out because they needed help, and I continue to, to, I'll continue to do that. But I go when I go in, I'm thinking about helping these people. Um, and there's a mindset shift, right? When you're doing it daily, daily, it's like, you know, you're kind of in the grind. You're just like, you're kind of thinking, how how do I get out of here today and go home to my family or whatever it may be. But, you know, when you do it like just occasionally for the passion of it, it changes things, uh, which is pretty obvious. Like you just, you, I'm there because I want to be and I love being there and I'm, I'm happy to be there. But then when I'm like, damn, I'm getting a little tired, I'm like, okay, then, you know, I'm out and uh, uh, I can take a break. And, um, and as far as this functional medicine bit, like I, uh, I, it's, again, it's like, I I probably will lose money on this. Uh, but I, the message of functional medicine, which is like wellness and, and getting off meds and, um, uh, really focusing on your diet and nutrition and mindset and sleep and, you know, stressors and relationships and all that kind of stuff. It, that's the stuff that I, that I'm truly passionate about and I can, And I can, um, focus on that. Um, and that's what, that's what this, you know, I talked about the five freedoms. That's what, that's what investing can do for you. It can offer you, um, those, those freedoms. Um, what I would advise, you know, your listeners is, you know, number one, just get a good understanding of managing your finances. I love Tony Robbins. I think we, we had this conversation. I'm a huge fan of his and he wrote a book, um, uh, on, on, Shakeable
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Which I recommend it's it's a great book and it talks about Sort of investing in general just just do what he says in that book, you know create a quote-unquote freedom fund which he talks about mm-hmm. um, and have a goal in mind of when you want to like limit you know, or get out or like decrease your uh, clinical, um, clinical clinical time mm-hmm. um, and then also Diversify your investments. Um, for us, real estate made all the sense of the world. Um, and then, and then finally, we, if you're interested in syndicating, um, like we are and doing, and we, we teach people how to do it. We have this, we have another arm of our company called Viking University where we teach, uh, doctors. It's actually, we have mostly doctors in our, in our group, um, how to do what we're doing so that they can have those freedoms. Um, and we really just give, just, kind of give everybody the recipe to our secret sauce. I mean, it's all it, like we just put it out there and, and anybody can do it. It's not rocket science, but we guide you through it. We teach you how to do it. And we've already got, you know, this, um, uh, there's like one ortho surgeon, uh, and, and his, uh, his an anesthesiologist and, and, and his business partner. There's three of them. They've already purchased a place and they've got their, their, uh, you know, we're guiding them and how to do it. And they've already got one under contract and they're going to close on it soon. And they're creating their freedom, and that's that's the stuff that's the stuff we love too. We like just help mm-hmm. help uh, help folks um, get to that level.
0: That's awesome, man. So um, you know where can where can we send people to learn more about Viking Capital, more about Viking University, and if anyone wants to connect with you, where can we send them for that as well?
1: Sure. Um, so mdincome.com is um, that's mdincome.com is the Viking Capital site. Um, and uh, the uh, Viking Cap Viking, LLC.com is Viking uh, Viking Capital. Sorry. Viking Cap LLC.com is Viking Capital. MD is Viking University. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get in contact with me, my email address is rgupta, that's r-g-u-p-t-a, at that's Viking LLC. That's vikingcaplc.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Ravi. It's been uh, really good talking with you. And uh, I learned a lot from you. And I I think we're going to talk a little bit off air for now. (laughs) And, uh, and talk a little bit more about this. But you know, I'm inspired by you. And like, I think that you're, you know, like a great example of uh you know someone that's living the american dream and someone who, that a lot of physicians uh, physicians including myself aspire to be like because you know ultimately we all want freedom we all want to practice medicine the way that it's supposed to be practiced we all want to take off the shackles and the chains and, you know, money, money is a big part of that, you know, student debt, we spend a lot of time going into medicine, we spend a lot of years training, we're way behind the curve. By the time we get out financially, in respect to our peers and people who have been investing for years, and who have had the financial experience for years, you know, you come out of residency at 30 years old, 250,000 $300,000 of debt, you're getting ready to take a big paycheck, but that paycheck sucks up all your time. And, you know, like everybody, it's like this cycle that I'm noticing where it's like, you know, you're the it's like a the, if you're at sunken cost, the sunken cost analogy, where there's so much, you know, there's so much that you've spent and invested in getting to this point where it's you like, feel like you have to do all of the things because you've just invested you know you've invested too much into this so um i i'm trying to you know a bit of a bit of breaking that kind of sunken cost guilt is kind of the mindset shift and rethinking what your life can be and how to use your money and so you can finally create the life that you want to create and um you know i really want to help doctors especially because you know the doctor myself who's experienced you know fee-for-service and experienced like this this you know the healthcare culture that we're in right now i think a lot of doctors uh are looking for ways out and a ways to create their own meaningful lives yeah so, thank I, you
1: i'm happy to do it and and just to add one more point before uh, we we break um i uh you know this is it's also another way to give back and i mentioned philanthropy earlier but this is that this the, the philanthropic and charitable uh, reasons are really what drives me in doing what I'm doing now um, because, you know, as a doctor, you want to give back to your patients. That's what you're ultimately, every physician, you know, has, you know, most physicians have a part of them um, that they want to help others and give that back and they're not just doing it for the money. Um, but with this, it's just, an, you know, with this type of thing, it's another vehicle for that. Like we've uh, we've built schools in India. We've dug wells in Bangladesh. We've built schools in Bangladesh. We've, uh, helped homeless mother shelters. Um, we, uh, you know, the county where we live in, we paid off entire school, uh, debt where these, uh, students couldn't afford lunches and breakfasts. And we, we paid it off, you know, school by school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've done a lot of, um, we, I'm big into the environment. I'm, I'm huge in, um, in the environmental sustainability. We've planted thousands of trees. we put solar complexes on homes. We've, increased energy efficiency I mean it's been like there's so many cool things that we've done and this is another there's another way to give back to the community to your tenants to people you know how whatever it is just another way to give back and it kind of it it, it, uh, you're able to use this uh, this the finances this investment to uh, give back in other ways so that's just just something else that it brings to the table as well
0: absolutely man that's incredible that you've been able to do that and uh, it's inspiring for sure I'm inspired, and uh, I know our community is as well. So thanks again, Ravi. It's been a pleasure. Um, Happy to be here. Happy to have you on again anytime.
1: Awesome. Happy to come back.